Welcome everybody to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew. And as always, I got my co-host Matt and Vitor here as well. Guys, we are here to wrap up the Jets season. We are going to get into our end of season awards, go through everything, offensive, defensive, rookies, etc. But first, we got some news to talk about, and that is that the Jets will be coaching the 2022 Senior Bowl. This is some huge news. They're going to be uh, getting the opportunity to get up close and personal with a lot of draft prospects that they are going to be interested in in this upcoming draft. Um, that is going to be huge for their potential draft scouting. They're going to get a, a firsthand look uh, ahead of every other team to get close to these guys. There's a handful of players in the senior bowl that I think the Jets could be interested in. I'll go through the list, a handful of them here. Uh, Kobe Bryant, the corner for Cincinnati is one of them. Ja- Jaquan Brisker is a safety at Penn state. They could be interested in Jermaine Johnson, the defensive end from FSU, Matt, that's your one of mine, your favorites, mm-hmm. uh, Kingsley and Bari is a defense fan at South Carolina. We both like Devin Lloyd and Quay Walker, good linebackers on and on and on and on. We could spend all day uh, and this whole episode talking about the senior bowl, quite frankly, but overall, this is just going to be an advantage for this jets coaching staff that has five picks in the top 70 of this upcoming draft. You couldn't really ask for a better situation. No, really. You really can't. And I feel like this year there's a lot more first round potential first round guys that yeah. are in here, especially with Lloyd, uh, Dotson, uh, and Akbari, uh, Johnson. Uh, I feel like, there's a, a very good uh, argument to be made that all these guys should be in the first round. Um, and so that's exciting, especially, yeah, with all the picks that we have so early, uh, it can only help. And being around these guys, watching them practice, seeing how they learn, see how they uh, take to instruction, uh, just seeing like what type of, of uh, guys we're, we're getting ourselves into. Uh, I feel like this is just an invaluable experience to have. Uh, and I've been really hoping that the Jets could have gotten this. And I was like going back and forth because I was like, oh, no, wait, the Texans are ahead of us. I don't really want to root for somebody to get fired. But at the same time, I really want the senior bowl for us. Uh, but luckily, uh, they are pa- the Texans are passed over probably because there's so much uncertainty there. Um, so we sort of get the be- best of both worlds. He gets to keep his job for now and we still get the senior bowl. Yeah, and and how can we not remember 2019 Robert Sala and the 49ers staff the word senior ball and in the very same year the Niners went to the Super Bowl, right? They found Debo Samuel there because that's a great thing about football. The numbers are great. Combine is great, but you can only grasp how good a player wants to see him live. And Robert Sala, Michael Floor, Joe Douglas, all those guys, they're true football guys. It's going to be an invaluable experience for them. I feel like the Jets could have uh, basically the middle of their, their draft picks, like the pack of uh, of the 2022 class, all from players that they scouted in the senior ball. They fell in love with those guys with their hot, with their work ethic, their character, and their fit in the scheme. So uh, just like Matt, I was really rooting hard for the Jets to have this opportunity, and I'm really happy they do. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we can we can underestimate how important this is for them. I, I mean, n- like you just said, uh, both of you guys, quite honestly, you have the opportunity to watch tape and you have the opportunity to get measurements, the combine and drill numbers and all of that. And that's all valuable. It has its place. But specifically for the Jets, for guys like Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, the makeup of a player almost matters more than those numbers. 
and you don't get the opportunity to scout what a player is made of on tape unless it stands out really like one way or the other. It's easy to tell when a player is an obvious leader and is high on character when he's rallying his teammates and he's getting everybody aligned. It's also easy to tell when they have a really poor character and motor because it stands out. But for the average guy in between, you don't know what they're like in the weight room. You don't know what they're like in the classroom. You don't know what they're like one-to-one and how they handle coaching or, or the goals that they have to get, even to get to know these guys personally, to know their backgrounds, to know their whys. This is really, really important for these coaches. It's really, really important for their scouting staff and, and you nailed it, Vitor. This this Senior Bowl staff, this class, is really, really going to be the opportunity to fill out the middle of their draft because it's a loaded t- uh, class at the Senior Bowl. There is This is the best possible year they could have been coaching with the draft ammo they have and the type of guys that are going to be down there. I, I couldn't be more excited. And I really love the, the structure of it, too, where the head coaches are sort of taking an advisory role while uh, a lot of the assistants are stepping up for bigger roles. So maybe we'll see uh, Ron Middleton again uh, uh, being a head coach, uh, Mr. Fourth Down. That's great for the Jets also because you can. it's such a young coaching staff, right? We all talked about it. LaFleur is young. Uh, Ubrich is young. So once you ha- you have an opportunity to give those guys a little bit more of a responsibility on, on the senior ball, Salah can see also how do they fare um, on those roles, right? Given LaFleur, given Middleton, given Nobridge and the other guys in the staff, the responsibility to get bigger roles, to oversee bigger operations. Robert Sala can see where his staff is at. And also those guys, they have everything to gain with the experience to just control the operations in the senior ball. It's like, you know, we don't want to sound hyperbolics right here, but it's a win, 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 win scenario for the Jets. You can get the players, you can get the experience in your coaching staff, you can get the feel of where coaches are just, just lights out really good. Yep. There's zero negatives to this. It's, it can only be positives. Yeah. You guys took the words out of my mouth. There is literally no downside to doing this at all. This will only benefit them. It will benefit them a handful of a lot, and it's going to make a really big difference. I guarantee they will draft somebody from the senior bowl that they coached. I don't know who it is yet. I don't know what round, but they will find somebody at this class that they will fall in love with and they will draft them. That is a guarantee. It's a really, really important deal. Guys, let's get into our awards here. Let's waste no more time. First off, Offensive Player of the Year is going to lead things off. Uh, I'll go ahead and lead my first pick. There is a chance that we are going to all have similar picks here. Uh, but that is okay. These guys deserve earned it if they're getting their awards here. Uh, some for good things, some for bad. But Offensive Player of the Year, first off, my pick is going to be for George Fant. Uh, and that is because he came in at left tackle in the second half of the first game of the season after battling it out for the right tackle spot for most of the year and switched sides on a whim and played fantastic at left tackle. I thought he was by far our best offensive lineman this year. Uh, I think all of us would agree with that. He was awesome in pass protection. He only allowed one sack the whole season. He was really, really good as a run blocker and got even better as the season went on. I don't know what his future is going to entail, whether it makes sense to trade him, whether it makes sense to keep him and and move Becton, although that's not what I would do. That's yet to be seen. But for this season alone, if I had to pick the best player on the Jets offense week in and week out for the entire 17 games, it was George Fanton, in my opinion. And it wasn't close. Yeah, I mean, I agree. He's he was absolutely lights out this year. I, I think it was he only gave up one sack, I believe, uh, which is yeah, incredible. one sack the whole year. <laughs> That's incredible. So, uh, yeah, hats off to him. He did a hell of a job. Um, 
and but a, the whole murkiness of what comes next sort of spoils it a little bit. Uh, so yeah, it was a it was a great performance and it's kind of a lost season. Uh, so, but at the same time, I got to think what comes next with him. Yeah, I'm going George Fant as well. Andrew, he, he said it perfectly. I feel like George Fant was possibly the best player on the team this year, possibly the most consistent player. The guy just got the left tackle spot and played at an all pro level. That that's it. He was fantastic. He was great in pass protection. And imagine if the Jets didn't have George Fant. The moment Mikai Beckton goes down or Morgan Moses, and we don't have that kind of production and playability in the left tackle spot. Zach Wilson issue early in the season was basically playing under pressure, right? Having that left tackle that solidified a pocket for him was just invaluable. And Fant, he is a guy that the locker room likes. George Fant is a leader. George Fant is a good football player. And Matt, you know, it spoils a bit because we don't know if Fant's going to be a first in 2022. But about this year, 2021 season, I really don't think there was a New York Jet to play more consistently and better than George Fant. We can recap. All right. Well, I'm going to make a selection of Michael Carter because I think he was as consistent as can be throughout the year. Uh, it, of course, it took a little bit for him to get the starting reps, but once he did, he ran with it. He was consistent on every snap with being with breaking tackles, with his uh, low sense of gravity and power and ability to just make people miss. And uh, he and this sort of followed him throughout the year and became a trend. And out of every single person on this offense, I am probably most excited about him. Uh, everybody else has shown sort of question marks here and there. Like, all right, they have some, uh, a lot of positives to take away, but who knows what's going to happen in the future. But with Carter, I feel like he's probably the most sure thing that I've seen on this offense that going forward and part of, uh, being the best, uh, offensive player is also giving us the most hope because for Jets fans, that's usually what we always only have is hope. So Michael Carter, he definitely fills that for me. Yeah, I like Michael Carter a lot. Uh, I don't disagree with any of that reasoning. Um, I will spoil my offensive rookie of the year pick. I picked Michael Carter. Uh, and, you know, we'll jump right to that as the next one. Uh, but before I get on there, I just want to say about George Fant. Um, Vitor, I think you you really nailed it for me for what I was trying to convey. CJ Mosley won the team MVP from the team, but I think the actual team MVP was George Fant. Because mm -hmm. I don't know what this team would have looked like if he was not there to step in for Mekhi Becton at left tackle. And we would have had Chuma Adoga or Connor McDermott playing left or right tackle for an entire season. Uh, that would have been real scary. Uh, moving on to Michael Carter and Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, I agree with everything you just said, Matt. He was behind George Fant, in my opinion, the most consistent guy on our offense from the first game. You know, he looked explosive. He was literally by the numbers, the second most efficient tackle breaker in the NFL at running back this year. I mean, he is a superstar in the making. It is not hyperbole. The Jets have the future star of their uh, offense. You know, we talked uh, we talked a few episodes ago about the trios throughout history of a quarterback, a running back, and a receiver. And, and the Jets hopefully have that in Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, and Michael Carter. But at least the one thing we know is they definitely have that in Michael Carter. That's why he's my offensive rookie of the year pick for all the reasons he was your uh, offensive player of the year. Yeah, I mean, I I also picked him for my. Uh offensive rookie of the year for the pretty much the same reason. Uh, it, it's just so much to be excited for. 
Uh, and really, the sky's the limit. I would like to see him uh, get a full year in. Uh, if we could see him without the, the injury so much and without uh, missing time due to anything. So uh, the sky's the limit for him. I'm going to go in offensive rookie of the year with Elijah Vera Tucker. I agree with everything you guys said about uh -huh. Michael Carter. He is the deal, right? He is a superstar in the making. He is awesome. He works hard week in and week out, shows up in game day. But I just think AVT, he was valuable to the football team every week. I think he only missed one game and he was basically from week three or four on a, a dominant force in the running game for the Jets. Just really, really good. Pass pro, not that great. And himself, he acknowledged that in his end of season presser. He needs, he knows he needs to get better. But the way he dominated on the ground game, the way that this offensive line transformed itself in the second half of the season as a dominant unit on the ground, I, I give a lot of credit to Elijah Vertucker on that. And I think he's the offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I mean, you have to love it. When, when he's on, he's on. Like you just see, with I forgot which game it was recently, where he was just lights out. Uh, you, every run play, you could just see him just destroy his guy in pass protection. You see him on constantly. Uh, but of course, throughout the year, I would say that he could improve upon his pass blocking. There are times where he did struggle in this arena. Um, so that's definitely something he needs to work on. But overall, I see a lot of potential in him. Yeah, I was I was very happy with Elijah Vera Tucker's rookie season. Uh, I'm very excited for his future. I think he is going to be a mainstay of this offensive line for for many many years. Um, everything that we saw in him at USC when we were looking at him play left tackle and knew he had played guard before and said, this is the guy, this is the guy that you need on your line. He fits the system. He, you know, he's, he's perfect for it. He's there to grow. He's got the attitude, all of it. You know, it was dead on the jets traded up for him for a reason. And in my opinion, it was a, it was an a plus trade. I'm really happy with Elijah Vera Tucker. I'm not upset with him as offensive rookie of the year at all. Uh, let's get into our defensive player of the year. Vitor, why don't you go ahead and lead it off who you got as defensive player of the year? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the obvious choice right here in CJ Mosley. I, I don't think he was perfect. No, I think that was some games that, especially he came back from injury where he looked slow, but he was overall the most consistent player. This year, the defensive player of the year award was Kenan Williams to lose, and he lost it. That That's my take. I feel like he didn't play as well as we all expected, and CJ was just more consistent. He became basically a face of the team, always there in post-game pressure, having something to say. He made a lot of tackles, playing well or not that well. And and honestly, he proved that he's still a top 10, 15 linebacker in this league. Uh, I have to go with CJ Mosley here. Yeah, I mean, well, he lost the weight in the beginning of the year. And we kind of wondered, like, oh, how's he going to take this? And he came out on fire, uh, making plays all over. And you can see, like, the team feed off his energy. Uh, and yeah, he was uh, extremely valuable, but I started the year thinking that the defensive player of the year was going to be hall. And I'm going to end it saying that the, it was hall. Uh, he came up as big. I mean, we had a secondary that there was a lot of question marks. Uh, nobody really thought that this group was going to be worth a damn at all. And they showed up. They were most definitely not the biggest question mark of this year on defense. Uh, and Hall is the main reason for that. He was the guy that stepped up 
and sort of became the guy that we hoped he would out of college. He had so much potential uh, and was set back by his injuries, uh, but he really uh, came to play this year, and I'm expecting big things going forward. Yeah, um, it took me a while to come up with this one, honestly. And the two guys I were debating were the two guys that you mentioned in Bryce Hall and CJ Mosley. Um, both of them, I thought, had good seasons at their peak. They were really, really good at their at their floors. They were bad, but not horrendously bad. Um, and it was really hard to decide. But I ultimately ended up agreeing with Vitor, and I went with CJ Mosley. Uh, and the reason I went with CJ Mosley is because I think the reason that he ended up slowing down was because the season wore on him because at the beginning of the year, I did a film uh, film room on him uh, after the Titans game where he looked, he looked like one of the best linebackers in the NFL. I mean, he lost the weight, he got the speed back and he didn't lose any of his strength or any of his ability to stack and shed or disengage or, or be a force in the run game and lay the wood. You know, he was, he was all over it early on. And I think we saw as the season went on after not playing for two years that it kind of wore him down a little bit. And I'm hoping maybe next year that he can come back and carry that consistency throughout the whole year. But I also think he rebounded uh, towards the end of the year and after some some really down games towards the middle end of the season that that he he really rebounded to the back half and played some some better ball. Um, I'm picking CJ Mosley as my defensive player of the year. It's hard to pick a quality defender from a group that finishes the statistical worst defense in team history. That's that'll be my end point. All right, fair enough. Two CJs in a hall. Both good guys. Both good options for sure. Uh, let's get to our defensive rookie of the year. Uh, Matt, go ahead. Who you got for defensive rookie of the year? Well, I see. I start off with Michael Carter. I'm going to continue with Michael Carter on defense now. Uh, I think he uh, came in. Uh, he was a late round guy, and nobody really uh, had that much hope for him. And from day one, before the season even started, uh, people were starting to talk about this guy. Like, oh, this guy's got some spunk out there. He's flying around. He's making hits. He's not really afraid. And it followed into the season. Uh, he was definitely a mainstay on, on the field and the guy that was sorely missed once he went down with injuries um, out of everybody here uh, uh, besides Eccles Eccles was played all right as well, but I not as well as Carter. I don't think. Well, I'm going to disagree and go with Brandon Eccles. Just because they think playing outside cornerback is really hard in this scheme. Eccles was tasked with one-on-one of a lot of great receivers throughout the year. He was not perfect, but he held up his own in many occasions. And that that was really interesting for me because I didn't think Eccles was going to be a guy that by the end of 2021 would make us all think that, hey, maybe the Jets have three starting corners on the roster. And, and I really think the Jets got to upgrade cornerback looking forward to next season. But... Eccles just exceeded my expectations, right? Playing outside cornerback, he matched up with Stefan Diggs two times a season, matched up with Jamar Chase and a lot of great receivers. And I didn't think of a game where he was just like, okay, Brendan Eccles was the reason why the Jets lost. No. And later in the season, the guy even showed some great ball skills, intercepting Brady, picking... For having a pick six against Tua. So I'm going to go for Brendan Eccles because I really think he has a shot to be really good in his position. I'm going to echo everything Vitor just said. Brandon Eccles is my pick uh, for defensive rookie of the year because of the situation that he was put in. And Michael Carter, the second would be a very, very close uh, second pick for that. Don't want to discredit anything that he did. Uh, he won the starting slot job from Javelin Guidry outright. 
and played really well from the very, very first game. I was at that game live against Carolina and he had a pass breakup deep down the field against uh, Terrace Marshall, I believe uh, single coverage and man where he's outsized by a guy against Terrace Marshall was about six, four. He goes up, boxes him out, just plays great coverage from the start. You know, he, he's great and he's going to be a building block, but the situations Brandon Eccles were put in, like Vitor said, that's what it was for me where he's the guy that's being matched up with Stefan Diggs one-on-one on the outside twice in the very first game. He, he got his, uh, his lunch money taken by an all pro and Stefan Diggs. And I really wasn't expecting the jets to come out and replicate that plan against Buffalo in this past game, um, which we haven't really talked about much, but really quick to mention, I wasn't expecting them to come out and, and do the same thing considering how well Stefan Diggs did the first matchup. And what, not only did they do the same thing, they let Brandon Eccles travel with him, which I thought was absolutely stunning. And it shows how much this coaching staff believes in Brandon Eccles. He has improved a lot over this year. He's been put in a lot of really tough situations. And you mentioned about Carter going out, Matt, where you saw the impact it had. I want to supplant that as well. Remember what Isaiah Dunn looked like when he had to play for Brandon Eccles against the Dolphins? Mm -hmm and how much different the defense was uh, when he wasn't there. I really think that that he was in a really tough situation and he never backed down. He showed growth while in a tough situation and I'm excited for his future. I agree. I don't know if the Jets have their, their starting corners set, but I don't feel like you have to go into this offseason with a desperate need on the outside like we thought we had before the year. I think Brandon Eccles is a shot to be a starter. I think so as well. I mean, I don't think they're going but that's the thing uh, if i'm looking towards next year and i'm and i'm saying based off of this year which rookie probably needs somebody to compete with and i would say that's more eccles than carter though i don't disagree with that uh, honestly i don't but the other counterpoint that i will make to that is that eccles won this job that there was a handful of corners fighting for this job. Gidry was fighting for both roles. They drafted Jason Pinnock uh, higher than Brandon Eccles to, to be that corner role. They had Lamar Jackson as a free agent. You know, this spot was wide open and we did our position preview, you know, early in the year. I don't think any of us expected him to win it and he, he won it and he kept it all year. So I think that really speaks to, you know, I agree that he could use some competition, but it's not like he was handed the role to start with. Does that speak to the competition though? It might. It honestly, it might. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get into our next pick here. This is going to be our best free agent signing. I will go ahead and lead things off. Uh, this was an easy pick for me. Obviously, I think if Carl Lawson did not tear his Achilles in training camp, he would probably be most of our picks. Uh, we would have hoped that if it wasn't him, it was Corey Davis, but we saw the up and downs from Corey Davis, and unfortunately, his season was cut short. So with the options that we had left, I thought the easy pick was Morgan Moses. Uh, and Morgan Moses was a late uh, sign at the, uh, in the end of May, I believe, after the draft, and it was quite honestly, a, a amazingly pre, uh, futuristic move by Joe Douglas um, to be able to look ahead and predict a potential injury to one of his two starting tackles or just provide competition for George Fant. And as much as I said earlier that George Fant was the MVP and what would things be like if, you know, the other tackle had to be a Doga or McDermott, that goes the same thing for Morgan Moses. And the fact that he was able to come in when Becton went down, take over the right tackle spot. And the jets had two quality tackles, even though their 11th overall pick the year before missed all but one half of one game. So I'm, I'm very happy with Morgan Moses. I would be really hoping the jets resign him. I think he'd be at worst, one of the best depth tackles in the league and potentially a, a starter. If things, with George Fant get murky. Yeah, I, I agree. Moses was 
was very solid. Uh, Fant maybe uh, has all the the headlines with all his one sack season, but Moses was pretty solid throughout the season, and uh, I really couldn't ask for anything more uh, for a guy like you said, just brought in kind of as depth or competition, and he stepped in and did an admirable job. Uh, do we know what his injury extent is? He said he would have played next week if there was a game. Oh, I like that. Yep, he seems okay. Um, he was able to come. Uh, I'm pretty sure he didn't come back into the game, but that was precautionary. And uh, like Vitor said, that he said he'd be good to go next week, that he's okay. He's not any serious damage, which is good because I felt bad for him as much as I want the Jets to resign him. He is going to be a free agent. He only signed a one-year deal. I would have hated for him to play this whole year and play pretty dang well and then get a serious injury in the last handful of minutes of the last game before free agency. That would have been really, really sucky for him. Yeah, I would like to echo your point then that I would like to bring him back. And I think he even said that he would like to come back, but he's he's probably going to explore other options first. But I think there is a good chance that uh, he does come back if we do extend an offer. Uh, but my guy is probably going to be Quincy Williams if we're going to uh, extend this to waiver pickups. Uh, I think he came in off the, the waiver wire and and really just stepped on the field and never looked back. He was just a lightning bolt back there making plays like crazy just running downhill at the speeds and power that he has and just making an impact uh early on we definitely saw the flaws a lot of missed tackles uh maybe he saw the potential in in his coverage ability and that sort of developed as the season went on uh and i can definitely see him coming back and being a starter next year yeah, I, 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 but I got to go with Morgan Moses here too, Andrew. I'm going to agree with you. Just as a free agent signing, you know, I, I, I have to say that I was really expecting more from Corey Davis. Didn't get it. And Morgan Moses is the guy. Also, just like fans solidified the right tackle spot. And basically everything you said, I just want to add one more thing is that Moses seemingly really liked to be here with the Jets. And, and, and that was great news. Right, because the Jets needed a guy that wanted to be here that would accept being a backup if needed be. And Moses, he just fit in perfectly. And I really think the Jets, believing in Backton or not, have to bring him back at least for one more year in the in this next season. Yeah, I agree uh, with both what you guys said. Uh, Quincy was a great pickup in the middle of the year. I would love to see him continue to. Uh, grow, uh, especially in coverage. I think his speed and his athleticism give him a lot of potential there. And it would be an awesome story to have him and Quinnen playing together on the same defense and to have a starting will linebacker that we feel comfortable with. Um, but yeah, Morgan Moses to me was the guy just because this season was all about Zach Wilson and his development. And I don't know if Zach Wilson was able to develop the way he did at the end of the season, if he didn't have Morgan Moses at right tackle, um, protecting him and also helping in the run game, the way the jets run game got going at the end of the year. Um, I don't know if, if that would have been that way without Morgan Moses Uh, and you're right, Vitor. I think he loved being here. Uh, I really, really do. I remember after the Titans game when Zach Wilson won AFC uh, Rookie of the Week, where they were doing a video of where they do their their walkout to practice video on Twitter. And there's Morgan Moses holding the sign that says, congrats, Zach Wilson. And Morgan Moses goes, I'm Zach Wilson's biggest fan with this huge smile on his face. I I think he really liked his time here. And And I would really hope that he would want to come back and be a part of this team. But I understand if he tests the waters and he gets a better offer to go be a starter somewhere else, I'm not going to fault him for going and getting his money 
All right, guys, uh, let's get into a not so good award here. This is going to be our biggest disappointment. Uh, Matt, who do you have as your biggest disappointment? Go ahead and lead things off. Oh, wow. You know what? I, I was starting to think about Corey Davis, but then about five other guys popped into my head. I'm like, oh, you know what? That They might be better picks. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to stick to my guns and go with Corey Davis. I thought that he was at a great signing. I thought at the at very least he was a low-end number one wide receiver. Uh, but going forward, I think he's more of just a solid number two. Uh, and even with that, he needs to improve on some things. And there are things that I think he can improve on. Uh, there are things that he did very well in Tennessee. Uh, he's not known for his drops before this year. And this year, all of a sudden, he's just dropping balls like crazy, fumbling. And this is not something that is a characteristic of his career so far. Uh, so I was very disappointed to see that. And it, just, it came at the horrible time because it's at a time when we need somebody reliable to help develop our fresh young quarterback. So it would have been very nice if he showed up and was more or less the wide receiver that we saw in Tennessee. Uh, but it was not to pass. Yeah, I, I have to say my biggest disappointment was Memsu. And early in the season, I predicted that he would be the biggest disappointment in the team. And now he is, in fact, the biggest disappointment basically for everybody that I, every single Jets fan. Because after what we saw in 2020 is basically Jets fans were starving for talent at the wide receiver position. And then we saw Denzel Mims making jump catches, winning on goal rails, just just being reliable for Darnold, Joe Flacco. And we were like, okay, we found a guy. And then 2021 comes and Mims all of a sudden is not a guy. He's number five in the depth chart. And he never fights his way up because he is just not good enough right now. He's not mentally there. He's not physically there. Technically, he's not there. I can't stand watching him jog while we're all running anymore. And it's just a tough outing right now. I know that Joe Douglas and Robert Sala have said a million times that they won't give up on Mems. No one will give up on any player from the 2020 draft class. But I really have a hard time seeing Mems just overcoming all of that and having success here with the Jets. Can I change my answer to Mims? Because <laughs> I, I I just popped he just popped into my head as soon as you said it. I'm like, no, oh, you know what? Mims. That's that's probably the biggest disappointment, more so than Corey Davis. Yeah, we were talking before we started recording, uh, and you had mentioned that you were going to use Davis as your biggest disappointment, <laughs> and I had said I had someone different, and this was it. Uh, it was Denzel Mims, because I, I don't think it's even close, to be completely honest. Um, I was so excited before the season and last summer for the idea of Zach Wilson and his ability to throw back shoulders and a back shoulder specialist in Denzel Mims and how their chemistry could feed off each other and give the Jets the the receiver trio of Mims, Davis, and more that I thought would be plenty dangerous enough to, to compete with anybody. And it just wasn't there. He, he had a 40-yard catch uh, in the very first game against Carolina on what was one of Zach Wilson's best throws of the year on a busted coverage from the Panthers, and he didn't do anything else this entire season. I know there was a lot of things that happened that weren't his fault, but it speaks to what the coaching staff thinks about him, that he was basically benched for the end of the season. They gave him his opportunities when they were desperate for anybody to be a, a wide receiver for them. And they have Jeff Smith out there running instead of their second round pick from last year. There's no bigger disappointment for me. 
You know, I'm going to play devil's advocate here just because I picked Corey Davis and I'll just stick to <laughs> my guy. Uh, well, we've paid a lot more for Corey Davis and he had a reputation that we were buying. Now, Mims, yes, he had some expectations, but he's never really put it out there. So he was always a question mark that just never panned out. Corey Davis is a guy that we've known. He's a known commodity that did not meet expectations. And I think that in itself is a little bit worse. More uh, Mims, we can maybe move on and we don't really lose as much. Just the fact that we m- missed out on a second round pick. But Davis, we're missing cash that, that can go towards improving this team. Yeah, I get the argument. Uh, I, I really do. Um, they paid Corey Davis number one receiver money. It wasn't number one receiver in the NFL money, but it was number one receiver on the team money and he didn't play like it. Uh, so I can understand that argument completely. Um, I'm just looking at it as uh, he, we expected at least for Denzel Mims, him to be on the field. Like, like at he least can't, <laughs> like at least like he can't even get on the field. Like I, I can't, that disappointment doesn't even begin to, to, to qualify it for me. And I agree. Corey Davis was a, a disappointment, not uh, against anything you said, but, but at least he was on the field. Very true. Yeah. I have to agree. Has to be Mims, although I didn't like what Davis did on the field. All right, guys, let's finish this off with something more positive. Um, who are we most excited to see next year? This could be anybody offense, defense. I will go ahead and lead things off um, with all the exciting rookies that we saw. We had Michael Carter, Zach Wilson, obviously finished the year very strong. We're excited for his future. Vera Tucker's playing great. Elijah Moore showed a ton of flashes before his, you know, his season was eventually cut short. We barely saw Mackay Becton and, you know, what he could be like in this system. But the one guy that, that I want to see next year is the one guy that we didn't see at all this year and that's Carl Lawson because good golly does this team need a pass rush and I cannot wait to see Carl Lawson off the edge full strength hopefully fully recovered from his Achilles like we were supposed to this year being that ass kicker at defensive end who's generating pressure on third down and helping out this defense in in the passing game and the run game as well. I'm really, really excited to see Carl Lawson and hopefully whoever it is they draft to play opposite him at defensive end. But sign me up for Carl Lawson for next year because we didn't even get to see him this year. Very true. Yeah, and this defense just relies on that pass rush. So his absence was felt throughout the entire year. Uh, with just a hodgepodge of guys filling in between Huff, uh, uh, Franklin Myers, and everybody else when they went down. So it was just a disaster all around once he was gone. Uh, and yeah, we, we got to hope that he recovers from his injury. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty bad injury with the Achilles. Uh, but I have faith that if anybody can come back from that injury and thrive, it's probably Lawson. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Zach Wilson just because he's our future right now, because without him succeeding, we don't have much of anything. Lawson can come back and be great, but it means nothing if Zach doesn't improve. And I'm very excited to see him improve because he did improve. Uh, We were towards the end of the season when there's people calling for him to be benched just to keep him healthy. And I'm very happy that the coaches didn't not do that. And they put him out there with the uh, adversity behind him. And he 
he followed through. He he thrived. He definitely improved in a lot of areas that he was struggling with throughout the season. And I only anticipate him improving even more if the offensive line comes back and is uh, as solid as they were towards the end of the season with maybe some new additions and maybe some new additions uh, for Zach to play with as well. I, I want to see everybody on the field for Zach at the same time and just see what he can do. And I'm, I'm very excited to see it. Uh, I'll have to go for Elijah Moore. Possibly the rookie that excited me the most, man. Elijah Moore has everything in his play to be a dominant NFL wide receiver, route running, speed, football IQ. So he just needs to stay healthy. This was a tough season. And once Zach Wilson just turns into that franchise quarterback that knows what to do in every play, which we saw in the end of the season, Elijah Moore is going to just dominate on the football field. And I can't wait for 2022 when he takes over the NFL as the new top receiver in this league. Yeah, I think those are the three guys that are, are going to be the unquestioned best players on this team next year are going to be Carl Lawson, Zach Wilson, and Elijah Moore. Uh, I'm it's early and, and you know, we'll see what happens, but if I had to call my shot now in January of 2022, uh, those are the guys that I think are going to be the, the faces of this team uh, going forward, hopefully fighting for a playoff push, but uh, there's futures. Uh, there's a lot of hope for the future. There is plenty of hope for the future. There is things to be excited for, let alone the uh, ammo that they have to add guys this year. There's guys on this team now that I think can be pieces for the future and can, can, can grow. Four and 13 is not where you want to be record wise, but this is the most fun four and 12, four slash four and 13 season I can remember from the Jets in a long time. I don't know about you guys, but I'm hopeful for, for next year. Very hopeful. Yeah, it was a bittersweet end. Uh, it wasn't a great year by any means, uh, by any means, but at the same time, I was sad to see it end. I want to see more of this team. I want to see more growth from this team. Uh, and we're just going to have to wait a while to, to see it. Yeah. And I agree with Matt. I wanted to see more because it feels like Zach and, and most of the young players are starting to reach their peaks of the season right now. And then the season comes to an end, but it's a good feeling because I feel like in 2022, I know that every year we say that 2020 next year will always be better, but I really feel like 2022 has a chance to be the best jet season since 2015 and hopefully compete for a playoff spot. Yeah, I think that is the goal. I think all things are pointing that way. Uh, and one way that they definitely are going to help do that is through the draft. And speaking of the draft, we had the college championship uh, last night, Monday night. There was a handful of players in that game that the Jets could certainly be interested in, as well as someone who they might have been interested in that maybe they wouldn't be as interested in as early before. And Jamison Williams uh, came out today that he did, in fact, tear his ACL, uh, the Alabama receiver. But among him, uh, Hope he gets better and hope he comes back strong. Evan Neal, I thought, played a strong game there. Tackle, I thought Brian Robinson is an interesting running back uh, potential. The Jets really could use a power back. Uh, Matt, who are a couple of guys that stood out to you in this game? I know you want to highlight a couple of the Georgia defenders for sure. Oh, my God. Yeah, pretty much the entire Georgia defense I fell in love with if I wasn't already in love with them. Uh, you, they just flew to the ball with so much anticipation, so much speed, uh, this is just a wonderful thing to see. Like, I, I haven't seen a college game like that all year, and I'm glad they saved the best for last. Uh, some guys that uh, really uh, stuck out to me, uh, Channing Tindall, uh, linebacker, middle linebacker, uh, 
you have Lewisine, uh, the free safety. Uh, you have uh, Nakobe Dean, who's uh, big on a lot of people's lists. Uh, every single one of these guys, you could just see them flying to the ball continuously. Uh, you watch uh, Robinson against Cincinnati last week. He just ran everybody over because he's, he knew he was the big guy and the, nobody on the other team could really stand up to him. But this week it was completely different. He had a lot of guys that were willing to step up, and they did. Uh, and then there's the big guys uh, on the defensive line too. Uh, you got Devontae Wyatt, who I love in the second or third round. Uh, Seconded, it, yeah, he's he's such a big guy, and he and he moves so well. You once you see his uh, how how big he actually is at, at around six three two three fifteen, you're like, all right. Uh, uh, but then you see him move and you're like, oh, wow, he's moving very quick for a man his size. Uh, I think he would be a very good addition, especially if uh, Fatikasi is not brought back. Uh, and just about everybody on that defensive line is really good. Uh, there's a, a, we got Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis. Uh, all three of these guys are going to be drafted uh, probably before the fourth or fifth round. Yeah. I, I like Nicole Dean. I like Jameson Williams. I like Evan Neal. And, and I feel like now what Andrew said, Jameson Williams, he has a chance to be a Jets selection, maybe in the second or third round. There was a lot of talent on that field yesterday. I'm yeah, wondering if it's, I'm sorry, if it's not best for uh, Williams to probably go back to school uh, because at, right now, was he slated for nine to 12 months recovery time? Uh, so that, that draft drop could be a little much. Uh, I, I would think it might be better for him to just go back, uh, show that he's healthy and probably be the number one wide receiver pick next year. Uh, I'm actually going to counter you on that. I actually think it makes sense for him to still come out, which I think he already declared. And I think they have changed it that you can go back to after X amount of a date, but I'm, if I'm Jamison Williams, I'm hoping that now a team in the end of the first round that isn't outright desperate for their first round pick to make an immediate impact, they can draft me and I can spend my entire rookie season rehabbing and learning the playbook. Mm -hmm. And then the next year, my second year, now my rookie year in the NFL, I've been established. I've had a year to be fully healthy. I've had a year to learn the playbook and I can come out all, you know, full swinging. And in the time that I'm rehabbing, I'm still getting paid because that I think is going to be the, the biggest thing for him is that the, the amount of money that he will make, which I'm sure he'll make, you know, decent amount of money on the NIL deals now, but being in the NFL and getting that NFL contract, whether it's a, a second rounder or a late first, which I think he could still go late first. I really do. Um, players with him with his potential even though he is injured it's not something he can't come back from and the scenario i laid out i think is possible for him um i wouldn't be surprised yeah both can definitely happen yeah definitely yep. uh let's throw one more honor rule mention of an award on here and get out of here uh call this an episode before we get into next week and really crack open this off season and get ahead on things let's say our favorite moment from this 2021 season there were a handful of them to choose from it may have been a lot of losses but i do think there was still plenty of of fun moments to choose from this year um i'll go ahead and start things off because i think i'm gonna have one that neither of you guys do um there's a, the obvious ones would be, you know, Zach's biggest plays. You have the bomb to Corey, uh, you know, his touchdown run. Those were all good, but 
Like I said earlier in this episode, I was at the Carolina game. I was there live. And to say that I saw Zach Wilson's first touchdown throw with my own eyes when it was on my side of the stadium and he's rolling out to his right and it's right where I'm looking right in the middle of the field where my section was. And I was able to see the whole play and see Corey uncover in the end zone and knew it was a touchdown while the ball was still in the air. I'm, you know, that was the best moment for me being in that stadium, being there in person for that, uh, as good as the season was and as many great moments as there were after being there for the first game, seeing his first career touchdown, nothing's going to top that for me. I'm going to go with the Mike white hysteria. (laughs) Wow. Good one. In the moment at the time, there was just like, oh, wow, we have Mike White. He's going to maybe show up and, and be out Zach Wilson <laughs> and to be our future quarterback. Uh, it was such like a, a crazy moment that where everybody's sort of questioning everything, hyping up everybody way too much. And at the same time, it we all kind of knew in the back of our head, it was all kind of fall back down to earth very quickly. And it did. Uh, but at the time, it was just something to behold. I'm going to go with Matt here and go with Mike White. I was going to say Mike White before Matt said, because that's it. At the time, there was nothing more fantastic than Mike White week. Like that to the Colts game on Thursday night football before White hurts his arm when he threw that touchdown to Elijah Moore. I think I was sold. I was like, I'm a Mike White guy. Mike White for the win. Mike White, Mike White. And, and, and the moments, you know, everything goes on, but the moments, they stay with us. And those were happy moments in a season that the Jets only got four wins. The, the header on my Twitter uh, account is is Mike White dancing with everybody. And it, it will stay like that probably for a very long time. That was a great game. That week felt like it took six years. Like it was, it was, <laughs> it was the game was Sunday. <laughs> they played Thursday night. It was like four days later and it felt like six years in between after that game. I swear. I don't know what it was, but they got to the Colts game and I was like, oh, wait, the season's still going. Yeah, it's right. They have to play games again. Uh, good honor. Good second pick. If I wasn't at the Carolina game, I probably would have had to go with the Mike White hysteria as well. Uh, it was just it was a, a heck of a lot of fun for sure. Uh, honorable mention has to go to Zach touchdown to Corey against the Titans. Um, I think that was probably the where we had been at that point in the year. We were waiting for the breakout game from Zach Wilson, uh, the number one, you know, seed Tennessee Titans. Now that, that they've clinched the number one seed, you have this incredible play against Corey Davis's for former team. You get the, the, the image of Zach Wilson pointing. That's going to be on T-shot, uh, t-shirts and, and phone screensavers for years. That was a good one too. Uh, another honorable mention I would say is the, the day that Booth LaFleur was, was born. Uh, because who, uh, before that, everybody wanted him fired. And then after that, everybody loved him. Now he's everybody's a favorite uh, assistant coach. Uh, the, 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 the change in how the offense looked once he went up to the booth uh, is something that will also be looked at as folklore as time goes on. All good ones, guys. All good ones. This has been the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Make sure you guys join us next week. We are going to crack off the offseason, like I said. Lay out our dream offseason plans for free agency and the draft. Best case scenario for everything involved. We're throwing realism completely out of the way at the start of the year and saying this is the best case scenario. Let's work to try and get as close to it as we can. But until then, guys, let's go ahead and drop our handles. Call it a day. You know the drill.
I'm Matt. You can find me at Zazzy Jets. And I'm Vitor. And you can find me at Vitor M. And I'm Andrew. You can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. Make sure you guys follow at OKD Podcast on Twitter. Thank you guys again so much for listening. And we will be back next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.